Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Sheriff Spotlight with the Rockingham County Sheriff's Office. Highlighting the office and deputies dedicated to providing law enforcement services and maintaining the trust and support of Rockingham County citizens, all while keeping neighborhoods and communities safe. Hello and welcome to Sheriff Spotlight with the Rockingham County Sheriff's Office. Thank you for joining us for our April 2021 edition. Um, as always, you can tune into the video broadcast by locally tuning into Spectrum 1304 or RCC Channel 2. And on any of the podcast major uh, broadcasting platforms, you can check out the podcast version of the show. Uh, my name is Lieutenant Kevin Southard. I'm the public information officer for the sheriff's office, and I'm taking over the host uh, duties this month. And we're putting uh, the usual host, Sheriff Sam Page, in the hot seat, so to speak, as the guest for today's show. The spotlight seat. The spotlight seat. <laughs> Our, this month's spotlight will be on the sheriff. Uh, there is a number of issues that both on the national and local levels that we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. And uh, what better person to talk about it than the man himself? Absolutely. I, Sheriff yeah. of Rockingham County, North Carolina. So... Uh, let's jump right in here. Um, border security and immigration issues. That's been a big topic of yours. Yeah. That's been uh, something that you've been working on for a, a while now. Tell us about that. Tell well, us your background on that. Well, you know, we, we go back uh, almost 11 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you watch TV today, uh, two, th- two things uh, come out is uh, Second Amendment mm-hmm. and, and your gun rights, constitutional protections. And also what comes out uh, that you see coming from the media is uh, border security and mass migration. Okay? Mm-hmm. So let me, let me take you back because the first thing that anybody, when I start talking, the first thing people say is, okay, how does that connect to Rockingham County? How does that connect to North Carolina? Stuff like this. So in 2010, around August of 2010, I just went in as the president of the North Carolina Sheriff's Association. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I, during my year, my tenure that I was in, I wanted to do something to educate myself, to, to be able to educate other sheriffs, a project uh, that was important for public safety. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I ended up uh, calling a sheriff out in uh, Pinell County, Arizona, mm-hmm. Sheriff by Paul Babu. And what happened is prior to that, uh, one of his deputies had been shot at by some persons that were uh, working for the cartel that were, that were moving through his, the, the back, uh, backlands of his, of his county transporting drugs. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so when his deputies got shot at and, uh, and they went in and tried to locate the su- subjects and stuff like this. But it kind of sparked my interest about, because since 1968, we've had the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know, you know, just like a lot of our citizens is, you know, what can we do about the drug problem? How bad is it? How big is it? So 
Thus, we go to uh, Pinal County, Arizona. Going to the source. We went to the source. Yeah. Paid my own way. Uh, my lieutenant, uh, John Dean, uh, we paid our own way, and we flew out to Pinal County, Arizona, kind of short notice, mm-hmm. and we spent about a week out there. And the whole intent was to look at the local, state, and federal resources and how they're combating the drug problems. And, and then, of course, later became human trafficking issues also uh, along the Arizona border. So uh, Pinell County is just uh, south of Phoenix, uh, a little bit north of uh, Tucson, and uh, about 70 miles north of the border. Now, what's interesting about Pinell County is actually uh, from the border 70 miles in, is uh, it's Native American lands, mm-hmm. which is federal lands, mm-hmm. and, and so tribal lands. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so actually, the actual the border with Mexico, actually, you know, persons can come through there, is basically seventy miles in. Right. Okay. Right. So, and a lot of times, my understanding is uh, persons traffic drugs through those areas. Okay. Because mm-hmm. a lot of your local law enforcement are not, you know, authorized to be on the federal lands right, there. Right. Right. Okay. So what happened was. Uh, we started going out in the, in the desert areas, and, and they were showing me the areas where uh, people move drugs. Uh, we also got to see how they track them, how they track the bad guys coming through there, how they try to cover up their footprints. They wear things on their shoes so you can't see uh, that it's a, it's a heel print or shoe print. Right. Uh, they showed us uh, where the, the, we saw these bottles, these one-gallon uh, bottles of water with ropes tied on them, mm-hmm. like, you, like you put around your neck. Right. That's exactly what it was. When the persons are trafficking through there, they, they tie the j- water jugs on so they can carry those. Mm-hmm. Also, we, we went to a place, and you've seen the photographs, where there were several of these uh, nylon-type bags that had been cut. Right. And, they, and then what they're carrying in them is 50-pound uh, packs of marijuana. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, so this it, was the, your first trip was that, before heroin really blew up the way exa- that it exa- did exactly yeah. marijuana. So, marijuana was marijuana was a, was a big push. Then. That's yeah. before Colorado and these other uh, states started uh, legalizing. Yeah, yeah, legalizing. Mm-hmm. So, so and, and that just goes to show you the cartel. They're going to make their money where oh, they yeah. can make their oh, money, yeah. and yeah. it's usually drugs and criminal activity. Right. Okay. So uh, we went there. Uh, we met with the, uh, with the federal authorities. Uh, saw some of the resources. Saw their air units. Um, again, went out. Went on some calls. Uh, went in some of the areas, where, again, where people uh, traffic through uh, to move the drugs into the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I also went down to Cochise County and met Sheriff Larry Deaver. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I talked with him, and Larry was uh, a big advocate for protecting our borders, along with the other sheriffs in that area. Uh, I believe we, we may have talked to some of the ranchers or some of the neighbors in the, in the area along the border area. And visited down to, went, down to, yeah, went down to Douglas. So it was a, it was a short trip. But it got me interested in saying, you know what, if 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 the 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 area near Nogales, if that's a well traffic area where a lot of people are bringing drugs through and something like this, is why why are we not hearing more about it uh, at the national level in Congress? Why are we not hearing about it uh, in uh, at, at other other uh, leaders in in our nation? Why are we not talking about this? Because uh, what I came to find out eleven years ago, moving forward is about 90% of the drugs, the illegal drugs that come to the United States come through our border with Mexico. Mm-hmm. Now, what I also found out, and, and of course I've made trips to El Paso, border trips to El Paso. I've made trips down to the Rio Grande Valley down in uh, McAllen, oh, Texas, 2014. Yeah. I'll talk about that in just a minute. Mm-hmm. But, but when, 90, when 90% of your drugs are coming through, and these are the drugs now we're seeing is the heroin, the fentanyl, the methamphetamines. And these are the drugs that are killing people in Rockingham County mm-hmm. and Guilford County and counties all around us 
in this state and across this nation every day. People are dying because the drugs are coming through the border. So that's why it's important to secure our borders, to cut the flow. Somewhere during that process, also, you know, they had the Fast and Furious situation right. where they were, they were trying, the ATF was trying to track guns that were going from the United States, illegally transported to Mexico, and some guns got into Mexico, in my right. understanding, into the hands of the cartel, stuff like that. Um, it's a lot of violence that goes on in Mexico and a lot of violence right on the border. Mm-hmm. We found out that the Mexican drug cartels control that border area, not the federales, not the government but the individual cartels have their sections of the border that they control, and no one traffics people or drugs through there without paying and approval of the cartel, as I understand. Right. Um, in 2014, I had the opportunity to travel back with a few handful of sheriffs down to uh, McAllen, Texas, Mission, Texas area, Falfurious, Texas, we, we met with the persons that, the ranchers, we talked to them about, and they talked about finding people coming through and persons that are dodging the checkpoints and stuff near the border. Mm-hmm. They'll come through their property. Some, some people have been found deceased on their property. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you talk to sheriffs along the border areas, they are finding and have found over the years people that have been basically abandoned, have died. And I think last week on TV I saw where a child was, was located by Border Patrol that had been abandoned by the people that were trafficking them in. Right. Okay. Uh, very, very sad, very sad. But in 2014, what was happening then was a border surge. And a lot of persons were coming, were coming up through the border. They were coming in through uh, McAllen, Texas. Uh, we visited again with the federal and the state authorities, all their assets and resources they used to detect persons coming in illegally. Uh, we met with the local authorities, talked with the sheriffs there. And then also we visited uh, some of the Border Patrol stations and some of the communication uh, stations. And what we saw at the Border Patrol station was what you're seeing now, but, but now is, it's worse. In 2021, it's worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll move forward. Uh, one of the Border Patrol agents, uh, when we were down there in 2014, down in McAllen, Texas, said, hey, he said, why don't you take a picture of some of these trucks up here at the Border Patrol station? And I said, why? He said, because everybody's tied up processing, these, processing the families and these unaccompanied minors, while the borders are not as secure because all the personnel up here on the up here at the station. So what you're seeing now is 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 a crisis, and it's worse than it was in 14, according to the officials. Let me ask you this: uh, based on your trips and your research, uh, the unaccompanied minors and the families and, and such that are being brought across the border, you said before, you know, the cartels control that area and no one crosses without their permission, without payment. The coyotes bring them over and whatnot. Um, for a fee. For, that's what I'm fixing to ask you. Uh, do you think they're doing that out of the kindness of the no, heart? No, no, no. Uh, you know, the messaging, well, uh, a lot of it, it back, back then in 2014, mm-hmm. if you listen to like EPIC, which is their intelligence network down there at the, along the border, uh, when they interview persons that are coming across, they ask them why, why they're coming across. Some are coming across for economic reasons. Some may be coming across for asylum reasons, mm-hmm. uh, but some people may be coming across for criminal means also. Right. Uh, back to securing the border. We've got to know who's coming in and going out of our country. Um, since, uh, I think, since uh, was it October last year to the present, because the federal year is October to October, mm-hmm. is that I think five, I think five persons that were linked to, others, to the watch list were identified 
uh, coming through our border, mm -hmm. that were captured, coming through our border, that were on the FBI watch list for terrorists. Wow. So not only do you have criminals coming through the border, and when you have persons coming through the border of this mass number, in January, January, uh, January, February in there, 100,000 uh, last month, over 170-some thousand persons come through, nearly 20,000 unaccompanied minors and stuff. That's pulling a lot of our resources away where they could be focusing on also on the criminal element that's coming through. And how many people do you not catch that come through? Well, and that's what I was just fixing to ask. Uh, how, how do you keep track of, you know, 100,000 people. Exactly. I know it's taxing on the resource. I can imagine, you know, I run a facility that has 300, uh, 232 beds. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but how about if you had a facility that was set up for, you know, three, four hundred, five hundred people, and you've got a few thousand people in there. Mm -hmm. I can just imagine uh, what, they're, what, what they're going through. They need support because of the, of the, the resources are being drained mm -hmm. and being taxed. But back to the, back to the cartel, uh, these families, they pay the cartel, I've heard as much as $6,000 or more, mm. to get their children into the United States. Now, we have laws in the United States that, uh, like the Flores Agreement, at one time you couldn't hold a child uh, longer than 20 days in custody. Uh, we have a lot of families, units are coming together. Some are seeking asylum or being placed in, in uh, uh, they're working with the federal government. They're providing uh, housing and, and, and securing these persons until they can come have their asylum hearings. Under the past administration, persons coming to the border to come into the United States had to seek asylum and remain in Mexico. That's changed. So some of the under the new administration policies have changed, and now you're seeing you're seeing the influx of people coming in. Right. So uh, this administration, our current administration, President Biden, uh, our Congress need to start talking and need to work on some solutions to uh, to reduce the chance of all the numbers of persons in this mass migration because. How are we going to handle that? How are we going to cover it? And how can we afford it? That's, that's some of the things I want about. But also, back to the original reason why I went to the border, is how are we going to slow the flow and cut the flow of drugs coming to our country that's killing our people in our nation? And how are we going to, uh, how are we going to reduce the chances of criminals and terrorists, people coming into our border areas also? Mm -hmm. And how can we humanely deal with the situation with the families and the county minors? Because it's three issues here at the border. Right. It's public safety. It's national security and it's humanitarian concerns. Mm -hmm. That's the three areas I focus on. So, again, we sent a letter, myself and 274 sheriffs sent a letter to the president and basically asked the president to uh, look, urge the president to look at past policies on the past administrations that were working, may consider those to provide some type of fix to what's going on right now. Right. right. And, and, and I'll say this in closing on that conversation is, I look forward and welcome the opportunity and any other sheriffs that are working on with the Board of Security and National Security, National Sheriff's Association, Board of Security and Immigration Committee, we welcome the opportunity. We welcome the opportunity to meet with the administration and try to work with them, try to help them to find some solutions uh, because we need to fix what's going on right now. It is a crisis. Something has to be done. Something has to be done. So, so again, when, when people say, Sheriff, how does, how does the border issue tie to Rockingham County? Uh, very simple. In two days or less, uh, criminal element, human trafficking, and drugs can be in Rockingham County. And, uh, and that's the thing. And that's the thing to remember. It's not just a humanitarian issue at the border. These cartels are using these people to smuggle drugs a lot of the times, and and uh, human trafficking, and so on and so forth. They're taking advantage of that situation. They're, they're taking advantage of some some people that are, or for whatever reason, they're trying to get their family members here. Whatever reason mm. it is. They're taking advantage of sexual assaults, mm -hmm. uh, victimization, other victimization, 
uh, maybe criminal involvement, stuff like this. Endangered servitude. Uh, uh, all, all these issues, human, yeah. human, human trafficking, human smuggling, all these tie back to the cartel. And what I've told everybody is the Mexican drug cartel, and, I, and during the last administration back with President Obama, when I met with a group of sheriffs and Secretary Napolitano, uh, I asked the question, why do we not declare the Mexican drug cartel a terrorist organization so our country, our great nation, can put our, our assets and resources against these organizations working with the Mexican government to put them out of business? If we can put the cartel out of business, we can start fixing the problem. But the cartel is all about money. If, uh, if they're moving drugs and they're making money, if they're moving people, as, as car, that's their cargo, that's right. their freight. If they're just moving people, it's, it's, just, it's just about making a dollar. Right. And, one, and like I said, some persons are being found by law enforcement agencies uh, that I talk to, representatives, they're finding them out in the desert, deceased, or some people just left out there where the coyotes or the people that are paid by the cartel are just leaving them. Because all they got to do, they collect the money, just get them to the United States. Mm. You know, you know they, don't have to, they don't have to do a lot for them. But it's a sad situation. I feel for the persons from Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, the other tribal countries. But also, it's not just those three countries or in Mexico where persons are coming into the United States. My understanding was 31 represented countries, 31 represented countries, including China. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and, and so other countries, and plus uh, the criminal elements and terrorists that have been identified, that have been caught coming through our border. But what worries me with all the distractions going on right now at the border, that the cartel are creating with the, with the human smuggling and human trafficking, uh, that is detracting people, distracting people and investigators and law enforcement from focusing on the criminal elements too. Right. So if we protect our borders, if we define our borders and protect our borders and work with the Mexican government, and they work with us like they've done in the past, we can better secure our borders and we can better t- protect America. And if we protect America starting at our borders, we also protect Rockingham County. That's right. And Rockingham County is my first priority. But I wanted to know, I educated myself on this. I've spent about 11 years, almost 11 years working on this project on the side. And I've met sheriffs from all over the country. And we have a great network of sheriffs working together to improve, improve our services. But also in these areas we've talked about, to protect our citizens the best we can. Mm. So that's kind of, when you talk about the border, that's, that's a short version uh, but that's how I got involved with it. And it brings it back home, too. I mean, you know, yeah. the, uh, the drug overdoses and stuff. You well, you, you, brought that, you brought that up here and stuff. And, I, you know, I, I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but I'll say this, is that just like it since, I think, 2018 to the present, uh, we've used Narcan over 200 times to save lives, persons' lives. Our deputies, our paramedics have used Narcan. We've used Narcan in the jail. We've used Narcan in the streets. Our police officers, our firefighters. A lot of our first responders use Narcan. What I worry about is if we don't get a handle on addiction, and, you know, we have an opioid task force. Uh, Jeff Pruitt is one of our coordinators, right. our opioid task force here in Rockingham County, and we work with them and other uh, law enforcement agencies. But if we don't get a handle on the addiction issue here, because not only is the supply issue 90%, a 60 to $90 billion business in Mexico with the cartel coming, that, coming back and forth into our state mm. or, or our country, but, but if we don't curb that addiction, which is the demand, right. supply, demand, That's it's right. a business model. If we can reduce the addiction level in, of citizens here, we're saving lives, we're helping people, but we're also cutting into the cartel's money. Right. Now, don't get me wrong, they'll figure out something else to try to make money on because it's all about a dollar. As they did when the uh, marijuana became legalized in several different states. And they Absolutely. Started cutting in Absolutely. There, and that's when they started supplementing. But, but I will tell you this, is when, when a person is selling drugs in Rockingham County, 
Uh, I use, if he's selling heroin, fentanyl, or methamphetamines, I don't ask, is the, are they connected to the cartel? If you're, if you're selling those drugs, you're selling on behalf of. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're encouraging terrorism. Money in our you're pockets. Encouraging, you're encouraging criminality. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you're killing people. And our, citizens, our good citizens in our country our neighbors, are dying. Our, our county mm-hmm. are dying uh, regularly because, and overdosing because of this. So uh, we need to work on the addiction and the treatment for persons. It's a long-term community effort. And we got to work on the interdiction and, and, and the cutting the flow of drugs into our country. If we can work on those two things. It's, it's, again, the war on drugs since 1968. Uh, some things have worked. Some things have not. Uh, you, you can't arrest your way out of it. All right. We've got to think about the person with the addictions and try to see what can we do to help those persons also. Because every one of those persons, before they had addiction, they're, they're, and, and still, they're somebody's family member, someone's loved one, and That's somebody right. cares about them. That's right. And we see it, we see it in the jail. We mm-hmm. see people coming into our jail setting with coexisting issues, with mental health issues, with, with, with drug issues, uh, with medical issues. We see a lot of issues and, and when a person's coming to our facility. And we try to do the best we can to help those persons until that person can transition out. Right. Okay? Because we don't want them to come back to the jail. That's right. But let's, let's speak on something here. Another thing, criminality. Mm-hmm. Since 2010, we participate in a program called Secure Communities, which is a program that was authorized by ICE and the federal government. And basically what it is is when a person came to our jail setting, they were criminally charged. If it turned out they were illegally in the country, a lot of times ICE uh, the ICE officials would issue a detainer to be able to hold that person. So once they finish their obligation in the state, or if they didn't go to prison and they're getting ready to be released, we could hold them up to 48 hours to release them back to ICE in our jail so they could take them and start on the deportation process. So that has progressed to other programs over the years since the, since the Obama administration, since the Bush administration, moving forward, uh, Trump administration, and now into the Biden administration. So uh, each one of the administrations has some different policies on how they how they work with, 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 with the ICE officials. But I would, I would encourage and I would advocate to work with our ICE officials, our Border Patrol officials, our local, state, and federal partnerships make a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, just big topics, and, and we're going to tackle yeah, I covered it pretty good. You did okay. uh, now. Uh, the Second you, Amendment. You mentioned earlier the Second Amendment, and I, I do want to, because that's a big What's, the biggest, that's question? What's the biggest question that people ask you on the Second Amendment? Uh, are, are we coming to, to take our guns? Yes. Um, and the answer is no, we're not. No. The, under the Second Amendment of the Constitution, the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, period. That's period. it. We will support, as we support your other constitutional protections. Look at, look at with the COVID conversation here. We, stu- we, you know, we stood up for free speech. We stood up for uh, freedom of religion, mm-hmm. peaceful assembly. Stood up for a lot of things, and we'll continue to stand for the Constitution. Very important, um, as we enforce our, and do our jobs to enforce the laws. But a lot of people are concerned, and they, and look in Rockingham County, uh, talking about gun, gun permits. A lot of gun permits just increased tremendous over the past year. Yeah. Also, we've seen increase in the carry concealed permits. People are concerned about their their safety. That's right. So uh, we're at over nine thousand. And fifty over nine thousand fifty carry concealed permits. My goal this year is to have ten thousand. But when we hit when we hit uh, when we hit nine thousand two hundred, you know what? We're going to be at ten percent of the population. Rockingham County will have their carry concealed permits uh, be lawfully permitted. And you know what? A law-abiding citizen ex- uh, exercising their rights and privileges. I support that one hundred percent. So the thing about it is, is uh, when people ask that question, people are concerned. They see they see things on TV. They hear things on TV. 
our Congress, I was up in Congress a few years ago when they had the assault rifle ban, uh, ban bill being proposed uh, back in 2011, uh, 12, 13, in that time period. And uh, I was up there then. Uh, it's a big conversation. Uh, but I tell people that your, your right to protect yourself and your family, that's protected by the Constitution. And I, and I tell also people that if you choose to protect yourself with a firearm, uh, just remember this. We never have totally enough law enforcement officers out there. I don't care where you go. You never have enough. Uh, if you choose to arm yourself and protect your family in your home, remember, you are the first line of defense in protecting your family. Okay? When you call us, we're coming. We're going to come quick. Absolutely. We're going to come quick. But, uh, again, we appreciate support. Law enforcement uh, across this country and our public safety, we appreciate your support. And we're going to continue our partnerships, local, federal, and state partnerships. Absolutely. Now, you brought that up, so I'm going to bring up the second most asked question that I get. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have to use deadly force when someone is breaking into my house, am I going to go to jail? <coughs> okay. In jail, excuse me, I'm choking so on water. The, uh, yes, the uh, okay. castle doctrine. All right. Uh, in North Carolina, there's a castle doctrine that provides provision that allows you to do certain things to protect yourself in your home, your workplace, and, and also in your transportation, in your transport. So if somebody tries to abduct you and pull you out of a car, you've got a right to protect yourself and use up to certain forces. Mm-hmm. Deadly force, if you believe <coughs> somebody is trying to use deadly force against you, uh, you also or another. You also, in your home, which is your most protected uh, location, which is your ca- it's like the castle, yeah. is uh, you do not have to retreat. Uh, if you uh, if by the fact that somebody, as I read the read the law, the fact that someone is uh, trying to break into your house is an inference that they have the intent to do you serious harm. Yeah, they, the, the law just goes ahead and, and, and infers it's, that yeah, they're not yeah, there for good reason. Yeah. They're, and they're, that, the law changed in 2013 mm. uh, and, and when they increased the, uh, the castle doctrine, which yeah. you said your home, your workplace, and, and your transport. Right. So, so again, you know, become familiar with your laws. I believe it's under Chapter 52. And, and so, but, but, but read, the, read the statute so you'll know. Uh, I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of gun safety classes out there. I've got a lot of instructors that are teaching carry concealed classes. Uh, it's not a ba- it's not a bad eight hour class if you if you want to highly recommend if you're considering yes. uh, getting a carry concealed permit. You have to go by law, but but they are great classes, and we got instructors all over the county that teach mm-hmm. these classes. Uh, the the biggest concern I have right now is when people say, Sheriff, I'd like to buy a firearm, but I don't you know. I can't find it. Right. Well, uh, I saw something on the news. I, I do read social media. I did see where Remington Arms uh, had an article where they're, they're pushing out the ammunition. A lot of the firearms ammunition companies are pushing out the ammunition. There's been a big run on ammunition. There has. Uh, there's also been a run, a run on firearms. So, again, check with you. I always say shop local. Check right. with your local uh, dealers uh, that sell firearms. And if you're thinking about carrying a, a firearm for your own protection, make sure you follow the law. Make sure... You consider going to the carry conceal class, get through that class, make your application. Now, right now, if you want to get a purchase permit, you can apply online. And okay? coming very soon. And very soon, you'll be able to apply for a carry conceal permit online and then come in, sign your paperwork, and it'll shorten your time at the sheriff's office. We're actually shooting for May the 1st to go live with that. Good uh, deal. All things work out. Uh, you'll be able to go online and submit your application uh, for your concealed handgun permit mm-hmm. online right. as well. So, on let our me, website. Let me, say, let me say a couple things. Two things, two big issues are going on right now, or like I said, are border security issues, mass migration issues, uh, Second Amendment issues, and, and other, uh, other issues about uh, law enforcement reform. That's another conversation we don't have enough time to go into right now. Uh, but I'll say this is everybody needs to start working together. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we need to care about our fellow man. Uh, we need to try to help others when we can. You know, try to give that helping hand. Uh, we live in a great community. Rockingham County is a great county. Sure is. Uh, I wouldn't want to live. I, I lived in the Philippines. I lived in Germany. Uh, in the military, I lived in Florida. Uh, I lived in different places. I lived in Texas for a little bit. Mm. But I'll say this: is I am so glad I came back to Rockingham County. We live in a great place, but we need to care for one another. And, tr- and remember this: remember that golden rule: treat people. I always tell the, the deputies: treat people how you want to be treated. Remember the golden rule, and you'll go far and stuff like this. Care about one another. That's that's how we start moving through all these issues we're seeing in our country. Please continue to support. Uh, well, I didn't say this. It's National Telecommunicators a Week this week. So thank all of our telecommunicators, right? That's right. Uh, thank all of them for what they do. Couldn't do because we them. couldn't go unless we hear the information. That's right. And they're the first contact. But but remember your your telecommunicators. Remember your your first responders. All the volunteers. I remember all the good people in the community are trying to do good things. And remember. There, in any community, there's a lot of great people, mm-hmm. and there's a small amount of bad people. And in our job in public safety, we will identify those bad people working with our public to, to get them out of the community. Uh, if they're doing bad things, we'll do our job. We appreciate your support, and uh, again, we appreciate the opportunity to reach out to our citizens uh, uh, once a month to let them know what's going on through the Sheriff Spotlight. Absolutely. Well, Sheriff, uh, great show. Thanks for uh, taking the guest spot today and going over a few things <laughs> Thank with you us. for being back. Hey, um, it was my pleasure. I'm getting back into the uh, rhythm of the hosting duties. You're doing a great job. Um, but uh, And thank you for tuning in to Sheriff Spotlight here with the Rockingham County Sheriff's Office. Tune in again next month. Thank you and be safe. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.